You're listening to the EdUp Experience, where we make education your business. Before we get to our guest introduction this week, I'd love to encourage our audience to check out the Center for Higher Education Leadership at higheredleads.com. CEO and founder Terry Givens provides faculty development resources for higher education. There is a tremendous amount of resources on her site. She's also poised to release a new book called Radical Empathy that you can pre-order on Amazon at your leisure. She's a great friend of the EdUp Experience. Please check out her site. On this episode of the EdUp Experience, please welcome our guest, Chip Pausek, co-founder and CEO of 2U, a publicly traded company. Chip's innovative work at 2U has earned him many accolades, including the Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award in 2012, the Goldman Sachs 100 Most Intriguing Entrepreneurs Award in 2013, and multiple highest-rated CEO awards from Glassdoor. The work he's doing at 2U is rapidly expanding amidst the explosion to online learning. Now let's get to it. Welcome back, everybody. This is the EdUp Experience. This is Joe Salustio. And this is Elizabeth Fiber. And on the line, we have Chip Pausek. Chip, how you doing? Doing great. Great to be here with you today uh, in these unprecedented times. Yeah, you can say that again. And uh, I always like to, to start with a little disclaimer, uh, as we all are probably working from home, at least in some capacity. I've got, uh, uh, if you hear any pounding or running around, it's because I'm in the basement and my kids are upstairs. And uh, it's same for Liz. She's got a little one somewhere around there. And so we're, we're, uh, we do our best, if that makes sense, to, for our audience. Uh, you know, I would say, I think one of the positives of, uh, you know, that you got to find the positive. And one of the positives is we're all a lot less worked up about those types of things these days. Yeah, so that's, that's the truth. Well, well, Chip, where are you? Where are you located? How are you? How is your family? Uh, is everybody healthy? Yeah, thank you for asking. Everybody is healthy. Uh, we're in, uh, I'm in Annapolis, Maryland. Our headquarters uh, is right outside of Washington, D.C. in Lanham in Prince George's County, Maryland. So that's well, about a thousand of our 4,000 employees are based there. And so I'm not too far away in my home office. Uh, and my, my son, Henry, is celebrating his 15th birthday today. So I am oh, happy. Henry. Happy birthday. Nice day. No, thank you. Thank shout you. out, so, shout yeah. out to Henry. <laughs> Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> He's a good man. So, uh, but yeah, everybody's ha- everybody's healthy, and you know, just like I'm sure all of you, uh, you know, what's uh, interesting about Two You is, you know, Two You is, uh, you know, we're just unbelievably busy right now. And I would say so that, you know, the company is doing really well. Uh, I would say how the house feels every day might depend on how sunny it is and how, you know, I'm sure you feel it as well. The ups and downs of of being in a shelter in place, but uh, I cannot complain. We are blessed. Uh, so very thankful. Good. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's start. I mean, you, you know, we, uh, we have an audience that varies, um, you know, all across higher education, um, people from traditional backgrounds, from ed tech, from, you know, non-traditional education backgrounds. Can you start with an overview of to you? Um, you know, what do you do? Uh, how did the company come to fruition and, uh, and, you know, what level of services are you providing to, uh, to higher ed at this time? So we're a global uh, education technology company. Uh, we partner with great universities, currently 73 schools, uh, to, to power a variety of educational programs ranging from 
online degrees, which is where we started, and I'll talk about that, to high-quality short courses, high-quality technical boot camps. And 2U is behind the scenes, powering the experience, providing what we call 2U OS, which is uh, uh, our overall platform to build, deliver, and support what these schools need to, to do high-quality online education at scale. And so uh, a combination of tech support and data uh, everything from, you know, building the courses themselves to marketing the courses to supporting people in their clinical placements. So a pretty broad swath of uh, different solutions that we provide our clients. Uh, I started the company with a small team in 2008. Uh, I co-founded the company and it's been uh, a pretty incredible 12 years. Uh, so there are certainly days that I wake up and I'm like, oh my God, I've been doing this for 12 years. Uh, but it, it's gone by mm -hmm quickly because it's just been it's been a heck of a ride yeah, well that's great to hear and and uh you know i think um you know when you talk about unprecedented times uh, and the services you provide obviously there's probably a match there and we'll get into that uh, a little bit more as totally we through this uh episode but i do want to ask you about you know, we're really fascinated with with leadership during this time. You know, you're you're leading you know thousands of employees um, who probably are all experiencing some level of disruption. I know that to you also is working with uh, you know numbers and uh, tens of tens of thousands of students at this point. You know, how, what what changes have you had to make to your leadership individually for uh, communication purposes to your employees? You know, how how have you the shift during this time uh, to take care of your of your people and ensure that you're not having interruption in operations. Yeah, it, it's been extraordinary. Uh, so you know we're very comfortable with remote. Obviously, we power online, so uh, inherently we need to be comfortable with uh, with doing everything at a distance. But that doesn't mean we were doing everything at a distance. So when this all started happening, we had to number one move everybody remote and. You know that provided um you know it's 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 gone pretty fabulously like fabulously enough that we think that this is uh going to be uh, a, a you know a semi-permanent change and what i what i mean by that is not that we're going to eliminate our offices but more that we're going to allow uh incredibly uh flexible working from home because honestly it's been stunningly productive uh, but it did have some challenges so an example we have about 800 employees in our cape town office and Cape Town uh, suffers. Cape Town's an incredible place if you haven't been there, but uh, and you know it does have modern infrastructure, uh, but suffers from rolling blackouts in the summer. And so uh, we had to send power. So we had to buy 400 power supplies uh, to get to everybody's house, so that you know the internet access wasn't really the problem. It was just literally the power would go out, and then people would be in the midst of a call or a Zoom meeting, and you know, that doesn't work. So a variety of challenges. Yeah, I know. It's, it's an example of like the, you know, the global impact of, you know, we do have 4,000 people worldwide. So it's a pretty, you know, we're not a tiny company these days. And um, uh, on, the, on the client side, uh, one of the things we had to do urgently uh, is in our boot camp business, we powered online boot camps, but we also had a very large number of physical boot camps where somebody signed up for let's say the Columbia boot camp physically at Columbia in New York City, and that had to be all moved online. And I would tell you, I was pretty blown away. They did it in five days, and it has gone so well that I would tell you that is definitely a permanent change because the consumer has responded so powerfully. Um, 
so you know it, it, we we've had some 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 impacts to uh you know our our company culture i mean it's a it's a pretty warm culture so we started doing uh something that i host every day from 11 a.m to 11 15 it's very short it's a it's called the daily dose of team time and it's like a 15 minute stand-up optional zoom and it ranges from you know at we probably have out of our 4,000 employees Every day we have at least a couple hundred and it's totally optional and it's meant to just bring people together. And we've been hosting it with different, uh, you know, different types of either students from our programs or faculty or partners or, uh, you know, this morning's we had uh, EdAid is a partner of ours that works with us on flexible payments for our students. So we had them on. Sometimes it's just fun. So yesterday I had an NFL star on. Um, And, you know, it's been really important, I think, to give people those touch points into the company at a time period in which, you know, no matter how well the company is doing, this is a remarkably unstable time in the world. So giving people an opportunity to come together and kind of celebrate our business, our culture, our people, uh, it's been a win to a point where I've had a lot of people tell me that I have to keep doing it as we go uh, back to more of a normal posture. So, that's an example of something we tried that's been really successful. Awesome. Thanks. That's great. And, and it's awesome to hear that you're pivoting and taking your leadership style to the next level in terms of incorporating um, different elements that your staff is going to respond to and your team is going to respond to. So that's really awesome. I mean, you talked about in terms of the, the positive response, the boot camps, Joe and I both come from the online learning space. We've both been working in this space for some time, so we really have a strong affinity for online learning. Uh, I think I speak for Joe in saying that in in what we both do in higher ed. Unfortunately, though, we have heard, obviously, some of the backlash or some of the um, students not being as satisfied, especially the traditional students that it's – Definitely. I met my daughter's one. She's a, a traditional student. She's 21. And it was really kind of like a blindside for them. You know, they're in the middle of their semester and it's like, hey, now you're online. And, and some of these students have never taken online classes. So we're hearing, you know, some of the stats and some of the studies that are saying that students are less than satisfied, obviously, with classes being, I want to say, thrown online. But I'm an instructional designer. It's kind of like what we had to do quickly, remove these classes online. So what do you think is, in terms of your experience, in terms of what you've been hearing from your clients and the, the institutions that you work with, what are the, some of the advice and what are some of the strategies and, and what would you suggest for schools that are dealing with and students that are dealing with some of this disruption? And, and Joe has said very vocally that, you know, in his school, obviously, they have intentional online design, so they haven't had a lot of disruption. We've, we had Scott Pulsifer on from uh, the president of w, uh, WGU. They didn't have disruption because they were intentionally designed for online. That's right. But when you have schools that were not and they're doing quote unquote remote learning, which we've obviously, Joe and I have also obviously been very vocal about the difference between intentional online design, like his school has, as opposed to schools that were Tradition, traditionally brick and mortar schools and moving their classes online. How do you overcome some of those, you know, some of those strategies and, 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 and uh, overcome some of those obstacles when you have schools that didn't really plan for online and all of a sudden they find themselves in the middle of trying to figure out how to deliver quality online learning and what are schools saying that they need the most in terms of support from, 
from what you're able to do for them for, for from your companies. Um, well, I mean, Liz, I saw your, them. I saw both you and uh, I saw your and Joe's uh, bios, and you guys obviously have a lot of experience in this world. I would say, you know, when I saw in your bio that you are an instructional designer, what's fascinating is not only is this unprecedented, but this is a moment in time that is sort of our moment. And I say our, as in the people of, uh, the people that have, uh, the community of people that power high quality online programs. And mm -hmm. that includes instructional designers all over the country. I mean, that, that role has become hugely in demand. Um, and for good reason, because what you guys know that most people don't is the, what happened in the spring was not, that was not high quality online learning. It just wasn't. And, you know, on one hand, I feel like it's fair to, it's fair to say that, but it's also, it happened so quickly that I actually think it's quite impressive what people sure. were able to do dur during that I time think. period. So I'm not one of those folks that, uh, you know, there are people in my space that have been very sort of aggressive about, ah, oh, that's all bad. And no, I mean, I actually <laughs> thought for, for what they did as quickly as they did it across our partner base, I was impressed. Um, mm -hmm. At the same time, you and I both know that like when you look at schools like a WGU that have done this for a long time, you have to be intentional about online design. And if you do it well, there's no question it can be as good or better than campus education. Now, very different at the graduate level than the undergraduate level, mm -hmm. but we really do believe that this is all about institutional intentionality around online being real and uh you know that unfortunately that's hard and it's expensive and it's going to require uh time it's going to require resources so that's where a company like us comes into play um but you know you can't just throw everybody into an unexpected zoom like zoom is a great partner to you and you know we've done really well with zoom and we firmly believe in the live class but what comes in a two-year program is effectively that flipped classroom where you've got this really high quality content that the students are consuming. And then when they get to the classroom, they're engaged in what they already learned. Uh, and it's pretty robust. So, um, you know, we, we had a uh, Gallup study that came out. Now, we obviously didn't know this pandemic was gonna happen. We've been working on this Gallup study for some time and we released the results a couple of months ago and I thought it was the final nail in the coffin in terms of, you know, the suggestion that online can't be as good. Because if you looked at the quality metrics across the board, what it showed is that online education done well, you know, rates better than the national benchmarks for campus graduate education. Mm. And so we're going to continue to do that story over time. But I feel like we've got, uh, or sorry, that study over time, but I do feel like we've you know, proven to ourselves and our partners, and most importantly to their students and faculty, that you can do it really well. Uh, now, I would tell you that the demand from, in terms of how to assist the schools for what now is going to happen as we get through the summer and in, into the fall, you, you know, there's a really broad uh, variety of perspectives as to what's going to happen in the fall. I know you guys see that. Uh, you know, you've got some schools strongly stating that they're going to be open and you have some schools already announcing that they'll be fully online and you know it's going to be messy and there's certainly no uniformity of opinion so we're trying to support our partners as much as we can uh, to drive a high quality experience um, fortunately we know how to do that 
and we have a lot of programs like, you know, one of the things that became very evident very quickly during COVID is in some ways the institutional focus on everything we do went way up. So I've spoken to more provosts, presidents, and chancellors in the last 60 days than I had in our 12-year history. I mean, it's been oh, crazy. Wow. So I do feel like we have a pretty good perspective as to what's happening more broadly. But, you know, you know from, like, your industry for what you do that you have to be intentional in creating the right type of online course. And that doesn't mean that everybody, you know, there are very successful online courses that use live, like we're a big believer in live. And there are very successful online courses that are fully asynchronous. But the one thing that goes across all of them is that they are intentionally built for that medium. And when you talk to these provosts and you talk to these leaders, what is their biggest concern? Like, what are they bringing to you as far as like, hey, you know, we need help with this or this is an issue or this is what the students are saying? What's the, is there a unifying theme that you're seeing that's coming out of all of this experience? Well, I mean, it's clear that everybody agrees that it wasn't good enough. Mm. So the question is, how do you make something better in what is not a, a huge amount of time? And we, we all don't have a ton of time. And, you know, we've had to stick mostly to our partner base because the demand has been, you know, very real. Um, so, like, first and foremost, it was sort of just ensure continuity of everything. Because right now, they really need our online programs successful, up and running, open for business. You know, even the revenue from our on online programs becomes really critical because I do think you know, I, the, the devastation economically is very real. You know, this morning, another 3 million uh, unemployment claims. So, um, but, but at the same time, people know that what they did in the spring wasn't good enough. And they're trying to figure out how to do something better. And in some cases, you've got people, uh, you know, thinking very short term. And then in some cases, you have people uh, thinking strategically longer term. And you know, I was very proud of, uh, we had a pretty big announcement last week with one of our partners who basically took this and really ran with it and now is going entirely online with the entire school uh, using Simmons? us to do that. Yeah, that's Simmons. So that, okay. actually, what's interesting about Simmons is, you know, of our 73 partners, uh, that you know, they're one of the closest in terms of how well we've We've built a ton of trust over the years. The relationship is very strong. They're certainly not as well known as some of our other schools, you know, Berkeley or Georgetown or Harvard. But, um, but I will tell you, uh, they saw this and really decided to try to turn this into as much of a positive as possible. The online programs at the graduate level have done very well. And so uh, with the faculty on board, they uh, decided to go fully online and to have the new online opportunity for undergrad be priced at a, you know, differentially priced to the campus. So um, it was, it's a bold move. Uh, you know, candidly, it's not possible without us. We're a pretty big part of it. Uh, both the competency that we bring and the investment that we'll bring to it. Um, but it is a strategic longer term thought process. Chip, you, you, you brought up in there, um, you know, the, you're talking to more provost, chancellors, presidents, and so on. Um, so sort of a, a, a hard question. I don't know if it's a hard question. It's probably easy for you to answer. But 
you know, let's roll the clock back, say eight months or so. There was a lot of noise around, you know, OPMs, uh, the la- sure. maybe the value not being there. To you made some strategic um, uh, business decisions to maybe entrench a little bit uh, in preparation for the future, and um, and then all of a sudden, bam! It's like you know the world created the um, optimal you know uh, criteria for to you to thrive, and you know your the stock price was down. Now it's rapidly increasing. And do you sit back and throw your your feet on the desk at this point and go, "Yep, I told you so," you know? No, uh, you know, I, it's a, it's it's not it's a fair question. So I mean, look, I've had twelve years of two U. I've had two uh, crappy ones and ten great ones, and I would tell you those are pretty good odds. And last year was a tough year for the company, but uh, you know, interestingly, a tough year in the stock market doesn't actually mean that it's a tough year for the people or for the product or for the students, like. Right. You know, we had uh, we had some challenges in the market. We uh, having ha- having done things really well for a long time with a model that, you know, it's tough for, for Wall Street. It's tough being the only one of anything. And, you know, while there are other public companies that have OPM businesses embedded in them, you know, we're kind of a pure play. And so we get a lot of attention and it comes with the territory. You kind of can't complain about it like you're a public company and the benefits of being a public company. You know, it was two weeks ago we raised three hundred and eighty million dollars, and you know, you can't, you could, well, I, I, thank you, but I meant more that like that is truly the power of uh, being a public company is that you can bring in resources in a way you just can't as a private company. So you know, they're good and bad in in anything, and I would say as a public company, I would you know take our experience uh, any day over having done it. Uh, at the same time, you know, as you said, we went through a tough period. So what we were doing at the time is on some level, when you say retrench, the interesting thing is the company was still growing really quickly. You know, we had 44% growth in Q1. So I would say uh, ultimately the, um, what we were planning fewer new launches simply to get to a point where we switched to positive cash flow as a business, because, you know, for many years, it was sort of just pure growth strategy. And we've been around 12 years, you know, it's like, it's time for us to have a more balanced financial portfolio, you know, a more balanced between revenue growth and, you know, profitable revenue growth. And I would say uh, that's part of why we pulled back, but we never pulled back because of demand interestingly. And I would say we started 2020 really strong. And so when COVID first broke, I didn't know it was going to happen, Joe. Like I really didn't, you know, the first week Mm -hmm. we just didn't know. And, you know, we were at one point we were sitting around as a management team saying, wow, like we're off to such a great start. We don't know what this is going to do. And the reality is nobody knew. Now I can tell you since that first week, it's been pretty extraordinary. So you take our LSE undergrad program, which launches in October, uh, you know, very well timed. We obviously didn't time it. And LSE, CHIP, CHIP LSE is, uh, is, stands for what? The, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, the, the London, London School of Economics. So our first undergrad program launch, launches in October with the London School of Economics and University of London. It's seven bachelor's degrees. So a bachelor of economics from the London School of Economics, pretty good. And, um, 
it's uh, it's twenty five thousand dollars for the entire degree, and it launches in October. So what's been fascinating is from March to April, demand in that program went up two hundred and sixteen percent. So wait a minute, let me get this straight. So what you're telling me is that that if I'm a student thinking about a bachelor's degree, I can get it from the University of London for a total cost of twenty five thousand. Yes. I just want to leave. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, and Liz and I, we've had a number of people on here and we're talking about debt. We're talking about repricing and all the opportunities that exist with COVID-19. Um, I, I don't want to say LinkedIn battle, but I was in a conversation with people the other day, yesterday, about, uh, you know, the, the value of a degree um, and, you know, how uh, how this degree that costs only 20000 really costs you 100 because of, you know, you could put the money in the bank and have compounding interest. And I said, well, that's only if you end up with the same job, which would probably be impossible if you don't have the degree. Um, but, you know, a $25,000 bachelor degree is, is um, you know, trailblazing, if you will. So uh, to you, and, and I hope our audience takes, a, that's a big takeaway here for people to, to think about, uh, that that's well, pretty you know, incredible. If I could, Joe, I would say, um, you know, the, across the portfolio, we have a whole bunch of different high-quality programs that meet different needs. And, you know, we've been working on affordability as a core focus of the company. And so uh, one of the things we've announced recently is a deferred tuition plan at the master's level for programs that have signed up that will allow students to defer 50% of the cost until they've graduated and they're in a job. Uh, we announced a 24-month payment plan on our bootcamp product with, with about, right now we're up to something like 10 or 15 of our university partners. So we just announced Johns Hopkins. And you know, like a 24 month bootcamp plan, like, you know, if, if it's gonna cost you $15,000 to become a coder, that's a pretty good deal. But some people just can't do it upfront, they just can't. And so having that 24 month period uh, you know, I think is a reflection of our strong balance sheet. It is a good example of where scale can help. And right now, that product's desperately needed. I mean, I, I read a, 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 I don't know if you saw the Strata survey, but like 36% of the people surveyed said that if they lost their job during COVID, they would change careers. It's a pretty stunning number. Um, so, you know, I feel like Here's what I would say about your comment about, you know, when this is happening, how did we react? Like, how do we feel? I mean, I feel an incredible amount of personal responsibility to deliver right now. So I've been a little obsessed, you know, like I, you know, we are, we are going hard at it and we need to be because this is kind of our moment. Definitely. I have to go back to, because obviously we talked about, I come from the faculty side, I'm an instructional designer. I want to talk a little bit, and, and Joe can probably speak to this as well, about that same um, concept of some of the, the, the great numbers when we're talking about some of the, the latter stage career students, the boot camp students that are probably second career students, the graduate students that already have received a bachelor's degree, so they're a little bit more motivated, they're um, you're not as distracted. Of course, obviously, we have the kids running around. Maybe we're thinking about our job, but we're very uh, focused, usually laser focused, because it's like, okay, I got to get this graduate degree because we already have a pretty, um, in terms of our career, we know exactly what we want to do. and We're a little bit more 
mature in terms of being able to strategize. With the undergrads, it seems as though, um, obviously, you know, from my own undergrad experience, and we talk about this sometimes on the podcast, you're a little bit more, you're, you're trying to discover yourself. You're trying to figure out what do you want to do. And a lot of the social aspects of undergrad also are coming into play in terms of students feeling a little bit deflated by the idea of, you know, I'm not going to be able to walk the campus. I'm not going to be able to go to a football game. What do we do as all of us when we're thinking about strategizing in terms of higher ed? How do we recreate, and you can speak this, Chip, in terms of technology, what is your um, vision in terms of how the undergrad experience might change when we're thinking about how online is definitely going to be a huge part of, of, of the undergrad experience in the, at least the next year and probably years to come? How do we replicate the undergrad experience? I tend to feel like you, that online can be just as robust or even more robust in terms of the academics. But obviously, when you're 21 and you want to go to a party or you want to socialize, yeah. how do you do that? And, and we had a, another guest on a couple of weeks ago, and I said, you know what? Facebook has, has taken over our socialization, and a lot of times, we're socializing with our friends and family and, and coworkers on Facebook more than we even would in person, but we don't think about it because it's become such a part of our lifestyle. How are we well, able to show people that online learning can be just as fun in terms of the social aspects for these undergrads that are 18 to 24 and they're stuck to their phones, but they don't see school as an area that they still want to have that face-to-face. -face. Okay. Well, I'll come back to uh, undergrads in just a moment, but if you can allow me to be a little personal here. So I, sure. So I got our I got my MBA through a two-year powered program. So um, okay. I, I attended University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, uh, Keenan Flagler Business School, and and you know people asked me at the time like, are you doing it for the hair club for Men Effect? Are you doing it to eat your own dog food? And it was like, no, I'm not. I'm I'm, I'm doing it for myself. And I, you know, I'm a three-time CEO, but I'd never taken a single business course, and I really love learning and. I wanted it, you know, I really wanted it. And also I would say I grew up in South Florida. Chapel Hill was like an aspirational school for me as a kid. So like, I'm in you know, South Florida. Yeah, we're, we're Floridians. Yeah. Where, <laughs> well, here we go. Here we go. Where are you? Here we go, right? <laughs> I'm right you? now, I'm in West Palm Beach, but I'm from Fort Lauderdale. There you go. So I went to, I went to St. Thomas Aquinas in Fort Lauderdale. Oh, wow. You're my rival. I went to Dillard High School. There you go, of course. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm just going to go uh, on mute for the rest of the uh, podcast. Panther strike. I'm a rabid Miami Dolphins fan, for what it's worth. So, but we come, uh, I love the Dolphins, we come, too. We come back to that. But, um, so yeah. basically, I got my MBA through our program, and I would tell you that uh, it, it's super personal. Like, this is a deeply personal experience when you do it well. Now, you have to be intentional in creating that culture. And clearly, I am not suggesting that you can replicate everything you would get on a campus in a Zoom room. You can't. Mm -hmm. But you can be much more intentional on creating that broader culture and doing it with a limited amount of physical engagement. So w w way back in the day when we launched the company, uh, the, 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 this B school was our first B school and they came up with this idea of doing these immersions. And at the time we were saying to them, boy, you can't, you can't do this because we signed up to do an online program and it's going to really hurt, you know, enrollment. And, uh, they said, no, you know, we're going to do it. And, you know, in the, in the OPM model, I would say, Joe, another thing about OPM that's totally wrong 
that you know that mis misconception about OPM is that somehow I'm actually in charge, like the puppet master behind them. Uh, the right. fact is, this is this is their program. So this is actually a good example. So we end up launching these immersions, and they were so popular that like by now the program's gotten very large. They had to move the dinner at the immersion to the floor of the Dean Dome, which is very cool, by the way. But so if you do it right, it can be really personal. And so these immersions give you opportunities to experience one another in person. But a lot of that intentionality can be built into the online experience through great use of technology. But I would say, I feel like the technology is overplayed. Like this is high quality online education and really in some ways the history of online ed is a vast underestimation of the power of people. Like people matter. You're not just a random one or a random zero, like people matter. And so sure. creating opportunities for people to come together, that is what we're doing in our undergrad programs also. And you know, the funny thing even about people love to say going to parties, but you know, the reality is when you do a happy hour, like haven't you had a ton of Zoom happy hours with your family while you were sheltering in place? And when you're doing those happy hours, it's not like you're, if you're in person, it's not like you're drinking their drink. You know, you're, you're just hanging out. So there's a real Hopefully way to do it. Hopefully you're not drinking everybody's drink, by the way. Hopefully, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, but you're right. I, okay. I've done one of those Zoom meetups with some friends and, and sorority sisters, and it was amazing. I literally had tears in my eyes when we were doing it because it was, it was yeah, so now, awesome. I mean, obviously, like, what's, what's interesting about 2U is that while we are online, we're big believers in the notion of being blended and connected. And, like, everything, I think what's happening right now is the overnight hybridization of higher ed. That's what I believe is happening right now. Like, I don't think this goes away. Like, we found that the campus students, and by the way, Simmons totally recognizes this. Part of the reason they wanted to do this is the physical campus students they want the online coursework. They just want to be together in a physical community. And so, you know, we think that this is a, a permanent change. That's our perspective. Great. Well, Chip, we've, we're coming up on about, you know, 40 minutes or so. And so we've got, uh, Liz, do you have any more questions? No, I think that was my, my biggest question is just trying to find ways to really bring the students together. And I think he really answered that really well. There's ways that we can do it in, in online. I went to grad school online as well, Chip, and I, it was so awesome. It was like the best experience, even better in some ways than my undergrad experience, traditional. So I agree with you. There's definitely ways that can be done. And, and Joe's school is a great testament to ways that we can really build community. So I look forward to seeing how you guys are going to enter into that even more with the offerings that you have and really help to strengthen these programs out here. And Chip, we're gonna, you know, first of all, we, we really coming on, um, you know, 2U is, is making an impact in the space. And, you know, I'd say lucky uh, for, for many schools that they have you at this point, because what would it look like uh, if you couldn't outsource some of that build right now? I don't even know uh, what, the, what the destruction would look like. Um, you know, and, and I think higher ed is going to take a big hit anyway with the number of closures that are out there and mergers and so on. That's going to happen regardless. Uh, but, uh, but the number of institutions that you can help save uh, is going to be, I think, significant. So thank you for your work at, to you. And I'm going to leave you with these final two questions. And Elvin's not here. He has two. I'm going to ask two kind of different ones. Um, and, and the first one is, the first one is what, 
would you like to leave the audience with that they may not know about to you? Because remember, not everybody is completely familiar with your organization. And secondly, and most importantly, what do you believe the future of education is going to look like? Well, you know, I would say, um, you know, we do believe that the future of higher education uh, needs to be entirely built around solving society's critical needs. Um, I am a first-generation college student, uh, got a Pell Grant to attend GW. It completely rocked my world. You know, I saw snow for the first time. I'd been out of Florida a couple times in my life. I met incredible people. I met my wife, uh, you know, sophomore year. You know, we're Aww. about to celebrate our 24th wedding anniversary. Like, Congratulations. It, oh, congratulations. So thank you. But, I, I, but, you know, I say that because it just, I can't overstate what it did for me. It's not possible to overstate it. You know, you know, you, we joke that you can take the boy out of Florida, but you can't take Florida out of the boy. But like, it's, uh, it was a profound overall experience for me. And I think the best uh, education experiences are, are part of being something bigger. And um, as we look to the future, you know, I would have loved to have heard your debate, Joe, with whoever that colleague was about the value of a degree, because I feel like right now, there is more daily evidence, unfortunately, in the unemployment ranks, how valuable the degree is. Like, it, it, it yeah. still today is the single biggest social mobility lever we have. And so, it, to me, you know, higher education needs to be blended and connected. It needs to be relevant with high quality, uh, you know, high quality programs that drive the right outcome for people. Uh, it needs to be sustainable. Uh, so to us, the sustainability of everything is a big part of it. And, and I feel like to you and companies like to you, uh, OPM, unfortunately, has gotten a bad rap. And I think, look, there are good companies and bad companies in any space. I happen to think we're a great company because we're built around a mission-driven culture of eliminating the background in higher education. That's our mission. But I would say uh, you know, the reality is I think the investment that we make in each of these programs is totally underappreciated by the people that uh, want to uh, sort of tear down the notion of, of OPMs. Um, and then I guess the final thing is it needs to be accessible and affordable. Like, and we really are working on that. We think our scale will be part of what allows uh, that to happen. And, you know, you're seeing that in some of our undergrad programs. You're seeing that with our Simmons announcement. So, uh, you know, I would ask people to sort of, uh, you know, take a little Windex to the windows of their world when they start thinking about an OPM uh, and to you in particular. Uh, we are doing a tremendous amount of good for the world. I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, this premise we have internally is if the student wins, the university wins, and then we win. And that is actually what really guides the company every day. So it's, uh, I'm greatly appreciative to be able to be on and talk about it um, and happy to, you know, ha happy to continue to try to drive the social mission ahead. And, you know, we think this moment in time is really critical. Uh, but, you know, even before COVID broke, the reality is driving the long-term societal needs is what motivates my 4,000 people more than anything else. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Chip. Uh, it's been an honor to speak with you, and uh, uh, we are uh, very excited about uh, pushing this episode out there in the near future, and uh, wish you the best of luck with the organization as you go. I'm sure um, 
you're, there will not be a shortage of, shortage of work for a, a while here for you guys. So um, yeah, I did tweet yesterday. I tweeted yesterday, you know, that we are hiring and, you know, right now, uh, important time to be hiring. So, um, but we, yeah. but I do appreciate it. I appreciate the, the, the conversation and I'm sure we will meet again. All right, everybody, uh, welcome back. Uh, we want to talk about our conversation with Chip. Liz, what did you think? It was really interesting. I, I love that his his demeanor and everything about him. It, it, it kind of runs counter to what, like he said, the puppet master. <laughs> when we think yeah. about OPM, do you always feel like they're like putting their fingers together like, whoa, like the evil villain? In fact, we have this idea in our head. And he's just sincere in his his mission which is just to make education more affordable to be able to bring online learning to all of his partners and to really give the the, the space a, a better a more high quality ability to bring that more high quality to the students that they serve so i, I really enjoyed all of his insights about online learning and, and ways to do it well because that's really what this boils down to covid19 Obviously, there have been a lot of people that have criticized, like, oh, it's not that good, what's going on, it's not good quality. But like you said, the schools really did. Within uh, I, the schools that I work for and the schools that I, I witnessed and, and we saw, uh, obviously, all over, all over social media, they were able to mobilize really quickly. I was surprised. Like, within a week, most schools, like, had their right. online learning ready to go so students would be safe. That was our biggest priority, making sure we kept our students safe. So we did move relatively quickly, obviously, like he said, it, it we the schools, the provosts are just telling him we know we need to do better, and, and this is this is an emergency. This is something that no one expected to happen. So I like the idea of the services that they bring, and if a school can mobilize and, and use those services and bring better quality to the student, then that that's really admirable. That's really what we're here for to serve the students. That's, that's the bottom line, the goal. Yeah, and you know what? I love there are a couple of things that I love that he said when he said it's our time. It's the people who champion yeah. online learning. It's it's time for us to step up and and, and help. Um, and and he talked about seventy three partners. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of uh, a institutions lot. out there that are that are working with to you. And then the the last thing that he said, and that the biggest takeaway for me is when he said, if the student wins, then the university wins, and then we win. And how sure. easy it would be to put that in reverse. If he had yeah. said, if we win, then the university wins and the student wins, it would show <laughs> right. the mindset, right? Of course, uh, and he, he put himself in his organization last. And I think that right. says a lot about him uh, him as a, as a leader and uh, sure. what to you is, uh, is all about. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another great episode of the EdUp Experience. Thank you, Liz. Thank and, you. Uh, Thank you, uh, We'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the EdUp Experience. You can visit us at www.edupexperience.com for previous episode, links to our social media, and more. Please feel free to rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. You've been listening to the EdUp Experience with your hosts, Dr. Joe Salustio and Elizabeth Leiba.